The content of this podcast is personal opinion of the hosts and guests and is not to be taken, interpreted, or perceived as medical advice on the practice of medicine. I'm sticking you with a needle. I'm most likely going to bruise you at some point to expect to not have any kind of... (laughs) Like, pea-sized bruise is kind of ridiculous. And by some act of God, if you don't, then you'll just deck them to prove your point, right? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just hit them just to make <laughs> sure that they leave with a bruise. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Aesthetic Podcast with Ann Bechtold, R-N-C-A-N-S. A.K.A. Aesthetic Ann and Sarah. And Sarah the Consumer. Sarah. Actually, T- not even really technically. T.C. I've never had any work done. Yet. Yet. Yes. <laughs> That's because you're a little bit too young. You're only 20. 20. 20. You're not. 25. 25. 25 and fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. But man, I know, I don't know personally, but I see 19-year-olds getting injections on Instagram, and I'm just like, whoa, girl. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're not going to go there today. Sorry, sorry. Different topic. Anyways, what's going on today? Well, today's topic, we're going to talk about informed consents. Love a good consent I, yeah, form. I, exactly. <laughs> I get thrilled top. With, with a new informed consent. <laughs> no, it is important. It's something that's really important because I see it all the time. I see no people, means no, basically. Well, I see people coming into my practice. <laughs> so kind of I know. I'm I'm just like skipping over that. Okay, sorry. People come in and I give them the informed consent for whatever treatment they're having done, Botox, fillers, skin pin, microneedling, all kinds of things. And there I have kind of talked about, discussed not in depth, but in general, usually, because it's there's been a consultation, in general, about what the informed consent is, what the treatment procedure is, what's involved, all that. And I give them the informed consent, and they just like, okay, great. And they just head to the bottom, and they start signing it. And I am notorious for saying, wait, 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 <laughs> no, 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 hold on. And they kind of look at me like, huh? And, uh-huh. huh? <laughs> and I say, no, I want you to... Read over it well. I know that you want to skim it, but I do want you to take time to read it. To read. I'm notorious for that with like clicking through the terms of agreement on like new Apple products or downloads or whatever. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's because those are 15 pages. And the only, I think the only like, they do have your firstborn, whether you know it or not, anyway. So the only (laughs) contract that I've actually ever like, fully read through is like my lease agreement. But other than that, you yeah, should read through every click, contract. Click, 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 click. Yeah. But you know, the, I've heard a story. I probably should have looked it up before this, but it's reminding me of, I heard a story one time of some company that it was like an online company, like an app or something that hid in their terms of service, terms of use that like, if you email us asking for $5,000 or something like that, then they will give it to you because they wanted to like, see if anyone would actually read it one person in like years. Well, so what happened to me, that's very interesting that you mentioned that because I read everything. I read employee handbooks. You do not read the 16 pages that came with the new iOS update. No, I don't do that. I mean that it's, it's, we're already owned by them. Like, we're screwed. It, yeah, we China. can't. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. 
that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about lease agreements, car loan, you know, finance papers. Right, right, right. Like the important um, stuff. Important stuff, including employee handbooks. Okay, anybody oh, out there, I'm, y'all raise your hands out there if you read your employee handbook me, when you first... I actually enjoy reading the employee handbook. I don't like being uninformed at all, okay. ever. Like well, even about dress code. But yeah. Then that must be my DNA in you <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. because Because most people don't. And so I went on a job interview. I was hired and they're like, Oh, here's the employee handbook. Um, da, 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 da. you can just sign the, you know, the last page, you can just sign the last page. So they and say, you don't even have to read it. No, but that's basically what they were implying. So they said, yeah, we just need you to sign the last page. And so we were going through all this paperwork and she wanted to, she wanted me to get it done in like five minutes. I said, well, I can either take this home with me or I can stay here, but it's going to take me about 35, 40 minutes to read through all this. And she looked at me like, what? And I said, I'm sorry, I read everything. Because my- You also are very careful reader. I'm not going to say slow reader. You're a <laughs> I'm slow. I'm a reader. slow intake. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. They didn't have to know that. I could I'm sound like I'm brilliant. 30 but anyway. or 45 minutes to well, read. It could have been 50 code. pages. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Sorry. Now, my husband, he's a freaking speed reader. He literally, he went to an Ivy League school and he, some of his friends would like study and study and study for hours and days before a test. And he worked in the restaurant industry and he would work till like two o'clock in the morning and go home and like open the book and like skim through the chapters, like speed read and then go set the curve for the class. Like people hated him. Anyway, back to my story. I read through this employee handbook and you know what it had on the last, the second to last page? It wasn't on the last page if I'd open and just signed it. On the second to last page, it actually had a non-compete. And I would have messed myself over and not been able to go work other places, which funny, after I worked there, I literally went around the corner and worked and I wouldn't have been able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I did not sign that non-compete. Anyway, and I didn't work there very long. Read your contracts, Bottom line is, it's important to read things. And so a lot of people just go to the bottom. They don't read their informed consents. I will tell you, Botox is pretty basic. Um, It doesn't have... There's not a lot of adverse events that can happen. There are some... When you say adverse events, you mean like side effects? Well, an adverse event is a little bit different than a side effect. So side effects would be, you should expect bleeding. I'm sticking you with needles. Don't get upset with me if I bruise you or you have pinpoint bleeding because mm-hmm. that's, I'm sorry, this is, again, my opinion. That's just stupid if you don't expect that. That's I'm like sorry. a guaranteed side effect yeah, that will I mean, happen. I'm sticking you with a needle. I'm most likely going to bruise you at some point. I may have to, you know, if I have 15 injection points to expect to not have any kind of like pea-sized bruise in one of those is kind of ridiculous. And by some act of God, if you don't, then you'll just deck them to prove your point, right? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just hit them just to make <laughs> sure that they leave with a bruise. <laughs> no. I, I mean, my clients are very happy because I tend to um, minimally bruise them. And I've been told many times that they walk away with less bruising than most people. Okay, so what's an adverse event? So an adverse event is... Like something goes terribly wrong. Well, just something like with Botox, an adverse event would be having a dropped brow or even worse, like a droopy eyelid. Gotcha. So those are things that don't commonly happen. Right. They're not expected to happen, like bruising, swelling, redness. Those are expected. 
Those are expected side effects. Gotcha. An adverse event is something that is not expected, but certainly can happen. Gotcha. Okay, we got that? Got it. So um, basically, I just wanted to go through a dermal filler consent with people because I want them to understand that there's a lot of great injectors out there, but there's also a lot of people out there that are very new to injecting. and Which is okay. We were all new at some we point. We were all new at some point, but when I was... A young baby injector. I was quite um, ignorant and just downright stupid. But that goes with the territory. I mean, yeah. they they go. Usually, somebody says, "Hey, you want to learn how to inject?" And they're like, "Yeah, great, cool." And then they they're all excited, <laughs> and they go learn. And, and most people have some kind of anatomy information, um, and then they're kind of given some basic points, basic pointers of like, "Don't inject here." And stay away from here, and then they're usually fine. However, then as you're in the industry longer, and hopefully they're going to get continuing education, CEUs, continuing education units, at least once a year, um, and maybe sometimes twice, hopefully they're finding out the important things. But So basically for informed consent, for a dermal filler, yeah. um, people need to understand... First of all, again, you need to expect, especially with fillers, bruising, redness, swelling, you know, some minor discomfort or pain at the injection site, um, tenderness. Some people, I have not had anyone report this to me out of my nine years, but it's on the informed consent. Um, some people can have some itching and the possibility of raised lumps, bumps, or nodules under the skin. Now, it, I, and I do tell my patients it's normal to have a... a raised bump or lump you to feel it it's okay to feel it but if you see it for more than three or four days then come back and then I can usually help with that Mm -hmm. um but then um they also have there's a possibility because I'm breaking the skin now I should be or anybody should be cleaning the skin and disinfecting it appropriately before before we start injecting however um, even though we use very clean technique, we use antiseptics, sometimes things can still happen. So, you know, a, a infection or some type of fungal infection can occur. And if that happens, they need to know what to do in case of that. Usually they need to come back and we need to prescribe antibiotics or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in rare occasions, there, there are allergic reactions. So those of you that know that you are allergic to gram-positive bacteria don't ever have any kind of hyaluronic acid put in your face. How would they know that? <laughs> I don't think they would, honestly. Uh-huh. Or, they, or they had some kind of um, Bad infection experience. that they were given mm-hmm. some kind of antibiotic to treat that. But so, isn't but that, hyaluronic acid like a part of your body? Hyaluronic acid is natural to your body. Every cell in your body has to have hyaluronic acid. It's what holds the water in the cell. So, um, but when when hyaluronic acid is created, it's created in the lab, and mm-hmm. it's basically brewed in Petri dishes, and it's made with gram-positive bacteria. Mm. It's just like we make penicillin it's out of like mold. like you're going to say like gram-positive bacteria. <laughs> gram-positive bacteria. <laughs> gram-positive bacteria. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of like penicillin is made with mold in the lab, right? So hyaluronic acid is made with gram-positive bacteria in the lab. I tried mm-hmm. to say that quicker. <laughs> and um, 
So if you're allergic to that, that could create a problem. Also, somebody that has moderate to severe multiple allergies or if they have a history of um, anaphylaxis, they probably do not want to have this product. Um, And then they can also get an uneven appearance sometimes because we are not... Everybody is bilaterally unequal. Everybody has imperfections. And a lot of people expect us to... Some people's faces are unbalanced. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> it's, oh, it's uh, too young for you. It's Hannah Montana's theme song. Oh, <laughs> yeah, from the Disney Channel. Oh, okay. Um, so then we're going to get to the the last one that that I want to talk about. And it, what's so funny is, as I was putting the podcast together in my head. Uh, like five minutes ago, <laughs> we'll just put classic it classic. And <laughs> um, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, because okay, so spoiler alert, uh, fillers can cause blindness, and I wanted, what? yeah, they can, and I wanted to wait, wait, is that on that. the consent forms? Yes, it should be. Oh my gosh, it should be, and then, okay. but people don't see that. So I was thinking about that, and I'm like. Oh, I don't have, I wanted some statistics or some numbers because I just got back from ISPAN as we talked about in the last podcast. And so it's been a little over a month now that I've been back. And um, I thought, you know, okay, so I have this friend. I've made so many friends at ISPAN. One of them actually has stuck with me. The others, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. No, she's been a great friend. And um, we support each other and we text or talk often and several of us we have injector groups and we're part of and so we have this really great community of of aesthetic injectors Um, and she is like this research beast she and another uh, woman named Jerry Obi who's down in Florida they both are research beasts and I knew that I could call her and be like oh yeah and like within less than two minutes she actually gave me some statistics about that. And so I want to bring on Heather Scarborough, a colleague of mine out of Missouri. And I'm going to let Sarah, why don't you take it from here? Hey, Heather. Hello. Okay. So tell us, uh, I know mom just said, but tell us like where you're from and a little bit about like your practice. So I am uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, smack dab in the middle of the country. Uh, I am an aesthetic nurse injector. I've been doing this for about three years, but I've been working with plastic surgeons for the majority of my nursing career, which started in 2005. That's awesome. So you met, you met Anne at iSpan, right? I sure did. Yep. And it was an excellent experience for me. And I would suggest any nurse injector out there or somebody considering to get into injecting that they should be involved with iSpan. I was so fortunate to have met uh, a good friend like Anne. So Aww, she called you. you, well, she called you a research beast. How do you feel about <laughs> that? Is that a compliment? Well, you know, whenever your whole family knows that you'd probably rather be sitting down reading research articles <laughs> than talking to them. And I feel bad. I, I, I really do love my family and I do, I do enjoy talking to them, but I get wrapped <laughs> up pretty easy in researching and that's on you a have a love basis. affair with the practice. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Well, the reason why I say that is because Heather is such a leader in the nurse injector groups that we belong to on Facebook. When people ask questions, a lot of times they don't realize that they're asking a question that actually has some evidence-based 
information behind it. Mm-hmm. And Heather's like the first one to have an evidence-based article just pop up and be like, hey, here's a link to this. And it's <laughs> knowledge like, is power. Yeah, totally. So anyway, yeah, she is a research beast and she's just full of knowledge. And and then besides that, we have a great time when we're together. She's a load of fun, crazy and just and then outside of that we have a load of fun just staying in touch throughout the year, you know, by phone. And all that kind of thing. So, so we've called in the expert for this topic specifically. So, um, oh my, I'm not an expert, but I can <laughs> I can recite some information, and I do try to stay abreast of what I need to do as a nurse injector and how it impacts me and the safety of my uh, patients. So, well, and what's so funny is you were in the process, literally, as I called you to ask, yes. "Hey, can yeah. do you mind like being on the podcast? It's not live; we're recording it." And you were a little bit reluctant, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on here. <laughs> but you were literally in the process. I said, hey, what are you doing? And what was your answer to me? I was researching retina specialists in my area to add to the list of my emergency contacts in case a case of blindness were to come up. Oh, exactly. exactly. I do have, I, yeah, I do have some um, backup right now, but it, it never hurts to have more because... One could be unavailable out of town um, in surgery or not able to see you, and you need to be able to have immediate um, care if a case like this pops up. Right. So let's break this down, and we're going to break this down in very um, layman terms because I know that you and I, and when we get around our other nurse injector friends, we can start using all of our super fancy words, words like super yeah, trochlear artery and things like that. No, no, tone it down for us layman's. Please. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. So basically, I was shocked. So literally, as I call Heather and I ask her about this, and she's looking for a retina specialist, another one to collaborate with, um, which is awesome. Then I say, you know, I, I ask her, I'm like, I, I know of a couple of the cases at ISPAN that they've talked about, but I wonder how many total. Well, like she had the answer texted it to me within minutes. So basically, um, Regarding hyaluronic acid fillers, which are what we mostly use in the area of the face, um, there's been 53 incidences of blindness. And then... (laughs) Incidences? What? You mean incidents? Incidents. You said incidences. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to make up my own words sometimes. You can add an extra (laughs) syllable to that. Incidences. (laughs) At least I didn't turn it around. Yeah. Okay. Are these injections close to the eye or could you be like injecting the chin and then they have blindness? We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. So let me give you the numbers real quick. So 53 from hyaluronic acid fillers, which that's going to be like Juvederm, Restylane, things like that. And then um, 47 cases from other fillers. And those other fillers are, um, there's one uh, called Radius that's made out of calcium hydroxyapatite. We've talked about that before, but there's Radius. There's... um, Oh, gosh, Heather, help me. Collagen. <laughs> Collagen. Collagen was one, and then um, I'd have to pull up my article. Well, that's okay. But the main thing is it it does happen. It has happened. And when people are signing these informed consents, they need to understand that this is not, you know, this, oh, they put it on there, but that's never going to happen. I've literally seen people do that to a patient. Like, yeah, we put it on there, but you don't have to worry about that. Like, that's the last thing you want somebody to say to you. So how many? Say the number again. 53 hyaluronic acid, 47 
of other. other. So when, like in 2017, in the past year, ever, like I how think often? This is from what has been reported, which Would is be a ever. whole other topic in itself, as far as getting a data, you know, an international data registry for this information. So gotcha. So this is a poll of that has been reported. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Total that we know of. Okay. Well, let's talk about, you and I know of a couple of specific cases that have happened. Um, there's been one in Australia that you and I were privy to um, information and talk about. And then there was another one, uh, apparently kind of recently, in California. And the reason why it's so important for people to understand that this can happen is I think that we've also had not only the cases of blindness, but fortunately what's coming out is there have been one or two cases of being able to reverse what has happened, but it has to be done pretty quickly. And that's why you were looking for a retina specialist. That's why some people, you know, I tend to partner with an oculoplasty. And then when we were at iSpan this last last year in the cadaver lab specifically went into how to do a retrobulbar injection. And I'm just going to tell the public right now, it sounds, if you get the heebie-jeebies easily, then you just need to be careful listening to the rest of the podcast. We're not going to go in depth, but we are going to give you an idea of, of what part of the remedy is. So there's a retrobulbar injection and there's also, um, um, what's it called? Can you remember what it's called, Heather? But the, we yeah, have an orbital a notch. Superorbital, a superorbital injection. Yeah, superorbital injection, which everybody has um, holes in their head. Believe it or not, you have holes in your skull where arteries and nerves and uh, veins come out. And so the um, if, if blindness happens, there's two ways to try to flood, and we have to get back behind the eyeball and get to those arteries and put in the hyaluron. Uh, some people use hyaluronidase. Some people use Hylinex. But we have to flood that area immediately with the active... Enzyme reversal. Yeah, the reversing agent. Let's tell people how this can happen. As, as Sarah was asking about what areas of the face that this usually can happen. And I just want to start off with number one, a very one of the first on-label places we were doing hyaluronic acid injections were the nasal labia folds, or as people refer to, the bottom of the nose down to the corner of the mouth. And sometimes, I don't know if people call them smile lines, um, but those nasal labia folds, as, as we get older... You know, we lose some fat to our face, to the mid-face. We lose fat to our cheeks, and then the skin gets kind of saggy and it starts to fold over up above our mouth. And there's a, there's a particular artery that runs right along that fold. So right where we're injecting, that artery can run along there or cross through there, and that artery is connected to other arteries, and, and they all go upward. They can connect to and, and get back behind the eye. Even though you're down by your mouth, you can end up with some product that has traveled into other arteries into the eye. Did that <laughs> did that make sense, or would you like to clear that up, Heather? No, I mean, it, I think that's just like if you were to put a little paper boat into a stream and think about where it could go, and it, you're not looking at any any particular area of the face most of them can all end up leading to the retinal artery which supplies the eye with blood right. so um, they all interconnect in some way so there's 
there are certain areas that are higher risk, but all areas you have to be aware of, um, you know, that there's definitely certain areas that are more, more likely for a retinal occlusion to occur, which is if that HA, the filler, if it were to get stuck into the blood vessel, um, but all of it is, uh, it's really, it can be dangerous. So you just have to be aware of what you're injecting and how fast you're injecting. And, and that's why as your consumer, you need to know who is doing it and what kind of training they've had exactly. to take care of the problem if it does occur. Right. So it is important to, to ask, okay, if this happens to me, what, what do you do? The answer in my office, my answer would be, well, we have a kit, we have an emergency kit. So we would start immediately on an emergency protocol that we have with the kit, and we would be contacting an oculoplasty physician, and we would immediately be taking you over to an oculoplasty physician for them to continue the treatment. If this were to happen, would it happen like immediately like while they're still in your chair in your office, or would this be like they go home and like a few hours later, the next day... I'm going to, Heather, can you answer that? Because I know what so, I think the answer is, but I, I think we've heard yeah, some other I stuff. I haven't specifically read into all of the cases that have been reported, but um, the majority of them you'll will see immediately the patient, you know, as you as the consumer or the patient, if you were to start having any kind of visual disturbance at all, that's still considered an occlusion to the well, artery. And an occlusion just means a block. It would typically occur during the injection. However, it could occur technically afterwards. It can, yeah. But I want to I clear that up a little bit because there is lidocaine in these products. And when I inject the mid-face and when we do the tear troughs, we can be close to that orbital area where they have a nerve and an artery coming out. And... Um, that's why I use cannulas in that area. A cannula is not 100%, but it certainly does. If you've got an injector using cannulas, your, your safety, you know, your risk went down, your safety went up. But, um, the lidocaine can sometimes touch the artery coming out of that orbital area and people, it can make their eye feel kind of weird, but it won't affect their vision. It'll just make their eye and their eyelid feel kind of weird. So there is a difference. I don't want people to freak out because it does happen to me often. They they start telling me, well, like my eye feels weird. So then I have to go into my questions <laughs> to clear up what they mean. And, you know, but if they can still see my fingers, if they don't have any specs floating or, or half, you know, uh, half side dark or whatever, then they're okay. But yeah, I think the consensus is it usually happens within minutes. Most injections are very safe and... And um, it boils down to who's doing your injections and do you know what their education is and do you know who their supervising physician is and do you know that they have an emergency protocol and do they know what to do in case something comes up? On that note, it it is important for people to realize that even a a very experienced injector that has a well-thought-out emergency plan um, some of the cases that we have heard of, you know, it has happened to very, very experienced injectors. Oh, yeah, very prominent. And, and, and it, even it's physicians. Not, it's not the skill level. I mean, it's not the skill level of the injector at all at at some of the, at some point. Um, you know, we can, 
we can follow some guidelines, but it can happen to anybody that's injecting your face. So this is why it's very important for the public to understand when they're signing an informed consent, what is in the informed consent and what are the risks that could be coming up. And in my informed consent, I even have, you know, that if we need to seek the treatment of another physician, that, you know, financial responsibility that they are taking on that additional financial responsibility. So, um, but anyway, thank you, my dear. Can you think of anything else that would be important for them to know about fillers, about safety and things like that? Being an informed consumer and not just looking and chasing after the best deal out there. Um, For your injectors, your doctors to stay abreast and understand everything that they need to know about being an expert in this area. It takes a lot of educational commitment and dollars and time to keep up. (laughs) And here's the premiere of Tiny Baby. Say hi, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Heather. (laughs) She joined us in studio today. Yes. So, well, thank you so much, Heather, for joining us. Yes. Especially at the last minute like you did. I know it was probably really stressful, but I really appreciate it. You did a great job. You're always so informational. And um, I do look forward to coming to St. Louis and spending some time with you. I know we've been talking about that for a little over a year, but it is going to happen at some point. You were here in Dallas to see me. Unfortunately, I wasn't here to see you. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. I'm going to, I'm going to kick back and relax with some articles after we get off the phone and make some phone calls. So on my birthday. Well, oh, oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Happy birthday. (laughs) I love it. Well, surely you're going to kick back with some articles and enjoy those. And then you're going to go have a birthday dinner with the family. Right. And then I I can't get yelled at because I'm doing what I want to do. That's exactly right. Oh, well, happy no presence needed. Happy Just birthday, silence. my precious friend. That's so exciting. All right. Well, thank right. you. Enjoy the rest of your day. We appreciate Thanks you. Thanks so much. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. She's a great friend to have, a great resource to have. She has been amazing. And that, again, um, if you are getting into aesthetics or injecting and you are a nurse, you need to be checking out iSpan. It's, a, it's an incredible resource year-round, not just the um, meeting that we have. Anyway, I just want to thank everybody for listening. And I, I, I don't want to scare the bejesus out of people, but I also don't want you to just be picking up an informed consent and flipping, flipping, flippantly, good Lord, flippantly signing it. Um, I read want your you consent forms. Read your consent forms and ask Vet your injectors. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure that you hit that subscribe and turn on the notifications for... Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts because we are coming in hot every other Thursday morning. Thanks for listening with us. Share this with your friends. And you can always email us at aestheticannrn at gmail.com if you have any questions. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, that's enough. Okay, we're going to go have a little uh, nursing time. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.